Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm 37. We're going to... We'll probably end up reading through most of the psalm, but um, the section I want to focus on is Psalm 37, 1 through 11, because there's a whole bunch of really cool points in here um, that I really liked and thought were great. Um, and just were good for me in kind of, you know, realigning my thought processes properly as they relate to life and to God and our walk in this life, um, to, you know, earthly success, you know, ambitions and goals or whatnot, um, so, because I, I don't know if you guys, I mean, you guys may or may not be like me. Probably not. <laughs> I'm the weird one. But I tend to struggle with uh, or, or, or have a hard time, you know, wrapping my ra- mind around, like, at times, you know, what's the point of life? You know, why even pursue stuff? You know, should I be pursuing something, you know, um, uh, business-wise? You know, I have a hard time deciding where to put my efforts, and so I feel scattered all over the place. And, um, and so this was a good psalm for me because it just helped kind of realign my thinking in life, um, you know, maybe to be a little more in accordance with God's Word. So, all right, let's pray, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for this Shabbat, for your Word, for this time to be here, um, that we can look into your Word and learn from it, and that you teach us things. And I thank you for... Um, just the time you give me to be able to read and meditate through it and, and um, that you give us your Holy Spirit to be able to understand it and to live it out and that you have, for those of us who are born again, created us anew in you to have a new will and a new desire. And I thank you that you give us clarity to be able to know how to live and walk. And so I just pray that you would um, open up your word today to us that we may absorb it and do it. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen. So, as I read through this, this section of Psalms here, the, the verse that I'm really going to focus on is um, Psalm 37, verse 4, and it says, Delight thyself also in Yehovah, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. And it just, for whatever reason, struck me, that, that, that phrase, delight thyself also in Yehovah, you know, and... Because it made me think initially, like, wow, am I getting my delight? Is my delight stemming from, is it in God? You know, or is it in business success, financial success, things I do, watching my kids grow, experiences with my wife, you know, a new car, uh, or whatever. Or is it really found in, is my delight really found in God? And, and for the life of a believer, I think it, it has to be, and it is, and it should be, but it's easy to get sidetracked from that. And, and the second, this is very much a bumper sticker verse, and I hope to bring it back into context of what the passage says, as well as the whole of Scripture says, because, you know, it's something that people would, you know, put on a bumper sticker and, you know, be happy in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, it could very easily be, warped into a um, prosperity message. But 
as I kind of looked into this and, and read about it, the desires of thine heart that he's talking about here, if your delight is in God, the desires of your heart are going to be in line with those things that will be delightful to God and delightful to us. And so it's not wrapped up in, in um, things of this life necessarily, though they, those, are, those are things that are secondary, really, and come after us having a walk and a life with God. So let's read through this and then we'll kind of get into it. So verse 1, Fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in Jehovah and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in Jehovah, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto Jehovah. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in Jehovah. Wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon Jehovah, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So through this passage, you have this juxtapose of the wicked and the evildoer and how they seem to prosper in this life, in this world. But basically, God says, you know, don't, don't worry about them. Don't fret about them. Don't stress out about them because eventually they're going to be cut down and wither as the grass. But really, it's the meek. It's those who have their trust and their delight and their faith and their walk in God who will eventually inherit the earth because he created it. It's all his and somehow through his sovereignty and his knowledge, he's working out his plan for his people in spite of and through all of our mistakes and errors. And he even uses the wicked to work out his plan, which is just mind-boggling. And so oftentimes we look at it on it on a surface value and all we see is the wicked growing like the grass. You know, it just keeps growing and growing. And you cut it down and it grows again. And, and it's really easy to get, you know, to fret about it, to stress about it, and then to get angry about it. And we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to delight ourselves in God. So I found it, you know, as I was going through these, I underlined these little phrases in my Bible, but then I wrote them down here. And it's so you've got, uh, leading up to verse 4, you have, Fret not, neither be envious, envious, trust in Yehovah, do good. So first off, fret not. So we're not supposed to stress out because of the wicked evildoers. We're not supposed to be envious. So we're not supposed to worry about even why they're successful. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. We're not supposed to be envious of their material and worldly and earthly successes and the things that they have. Now, let me clarify. None of these things are bad. Being successful, having a good business, owning a home, or, or any of those things 
But that's not what our focus is supposed to be in life, and it's not our driver in life, and it's not where we find our fulfillment and our success. That's where the world gets its fulfillment and success, and really it's empty and hollow, and that's why they have to keep getting more and more and more of it and strive for it. And when they don't have much, they, they, it's a life of emptiness, emptiness, or they have to conjure up a false religion and a false philosophy like Buddhism or something like that where it's, you know, being at peace, letting go, you know, finding contentment and meditating and just focusing on your breath. Oh, just a whole bunch of mumbo-jumbo BS, basically, is what it is, which isn't popular in today's culture. But I don't care because God created everything and it's supposed to focus, uh, function the way he made it to be. And so what happens in the world is they create their own humanistic utopian mindsets and philosophies to be able to wrap themselves around, or wrap their minds around the problems that are in the world. There's wickedness, there's injustice, there's problems. The world, you know, as the environment, I'm not talking environment, environmentalism, but everything is in decay. It's in a state of entropy and it's falling apart. And it's only God's word and his will and way that keeps it all together. And so they have their lot in this life, but we look to God. And it's only once you have your fulfillment in God and his word and his ways that then the things of this earth can function as they're supposed to in our lives. And we can actually reap the benefits. But oftentimes, I know for me, it's really easy to get the cart before the horse because we live in the epitome of Babylon and the diaspora where everything around us is vying for our attention and our mindset to keep us focused on everything but the word of God. And so we need to carve out time in our life and in our minds for the Word of God so that we can be reset. And so that way, as we start to do this, we don't fret. We're not envious. We trust in Yehovah. We rely on Him. We do good. What is good? Good is defined by the Word of God, by His Torah. And then, and so these four things, they're pre, what I'm calling the prerequisites to being able to delight in God. So we have to fret not, we can't be envious, so we're taking our eyes off the world, and then we're looking to God, and we're going to trust in Him, and we're going to do good. And then once we have those things lined up, then we, will, we can delight ourselves in, in Yehovah, and then He shall give us the desires of our heart. And hopefully what I've I'm re- uh, explaining here is that then if we have all these things aligned properly, if we're not fretting, we're not envious, we're trusting, we're doing good, and we're finding our delight in God, then he shall give us the desires of our heart because the desires of our heart are going to be aligned with his word and his will. And then in verse 5 it says, Commit your way unto Yehovah, trust also to him, and he shall bring it to pass. So once we've found our delight in him, then we commit our way. You know, that ties into doing good. So our life needs to be committed unto Yehovah. You know, I think that's been lost to a large degree in our society in in every way. You know, the commitment anymore is a very obsolete thing. You know, nowadays, even in relationships, you hear this term, which I friggin' hate, called partner. Oh, my partner. Oh, that's my partner over there. My partner. We don't need to be married to be partners. Well, that's a... Makes me want to swear. Bunch of crap. It's just a bunch of crap. All it is is a lame excuse because you don't want to buckle down, change who you are, work through things, and be what you're supposed to be. You're just a spineless weenie. 
And, and people do that, you know, so they can basically have the option to do whatever the hell they want. And it's wrong. And so we as God's people are supposed to commit our way unto, unto God and find our delight in Him. And so we have to define life and commitment and right and wrong by the Word of God. And that's why this, you know, coming back to the Torah with the Hebrew roots, quote-unquote, movement, Messianic movement, for all, to, for all its faults and flaws, is so uh, important and I think a working out of God's, um, a working of God's Spirit in the world because He has to reestablish His people in His kingdom. And a kingdom has laws, and those in the kingdom have to follow the laws. And so when we are doing those is when things work the way that it's supposed to. So when we commit our way unto Yehovah and trust in him, he brings it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as light and thy judgment as the noonday. You know, this is, so to, that's an important thing. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as light and thy judgment as the noonday. You know, right now I feel like, and maybe it's just me in my own life, in my own head, but it's like, I want my righteousness <laughs> to be brought forth as the light. And that my ju- and thy judgment is the noonday. You know, the judgment of the word of God is noonday. Like, you know, uh, it's a battle for for thoughts, and it's a battle for words, and it's a battle for minds and hearts of the people because that's where actions stem from. You know, I was researching even just um, this is completely off topic, but um, the the twelve tribes, and so. No, I just quickly Google Google twelve tribes of Israel, and you uh, you pull up Wikipedia. Well, you read through it, and it gives you a real you know short description, and then it goes on. And the longest section of the whole little uh, page there is all about how scholars basically don't don't believe Joshua ever existed, and if he did, the exploits of Joshua and Israelites when they went into the land are largely exaggerated. They're not even sure. If there, uh, the United Kingdom ever happened with Solomon and David, and they think that it was largely exaggerated, the size of it. You know, they basically, you have these quote-unquote scholars who write books and books, and they lecture and they teach in universities, and all they, they build lives and careers and whole fields of study to tear apart the Word of God and to nullify it and to make it sound stupid archaic and and pathetic and completely untrustworthy and foolish. And so we as the people of God have to have this this walk and and understanding and and knowledge of the word of God such that our righteousness will be as light and our judgment as the noonday so that the people of Israel can shake thyself from the dust and rise up and be a lamp and be a light and be a force for good and, and say, no, you scholars are fools. You know, they're nothing but a bunch of God-haters who build lives of raging against God and tearing down His Word. And so we as God's people have to stand on His Word. We have to know it. We have to know why we know it and be able to speak that forth and be confident in it. And so all these things, fretting not, not being envious, trusting in Yehovah, doing good, delighting ourselves in Him, then He'll give us the desires of our heart. And if we commit our way into Him and trust in Him, He'll bring it to pass. And He'll bring forth Thy righteousness as the light, and Thy judgment as the noonday. Ah, oh, it's just good. You know, but that can get, it can get wearisome. And so the next verse we read, it says, 
Rest in Yehovah. Wait patiently for him. And again, fret not. It's interesting. Fret not happens, I think, three times in here. You know, I find that really fascinating because it's really easy, especially in here in the diaspora, longing to return to the land, you know, to fret about everything. But we're not supposed to fret because God's in control, especially in like the whole prophecy movement where there's, a, which is fine, but like it's very, tends to be doom and gloom. You know, no, God wins. And we will be the triumphant ones with him. Sure, people might die or be lost along the way, but that's all just part of it. But we have faith in God because we know who wins the battle. So we're to rest in him. Wait patiently for him. For not fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in the way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. And then verse 8. We're also to cease from anger. Forsake wrath. Again, Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon Yehovah, they shall inherit the earth. I find that so fascinating that those that wait upon Yehovah, they will inherit the earth. You know, you have the whole uh, green movement and environmental movement. And again, you know, I'm not necessarily against taking care of the environment. That's, I believe it's a commandment from God and it's something we're supposed to do as good stewards. But... They turn mankind into, you know, like this, some sort of parasite on the earth. And, and what they forsake is, no, God made the earth to keep man alive for his purposes. And so they've got it flipped around. So in the end, we inherit the earth, the meek, those who rely and trust on, in God, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. I just love that. Delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So I want to read really, uh, real quick here. A little bit of what I wrote about uh, verse 4 and 5. Delight thyself in Yehovah. This is a command first and foremost. We are to delight ourselves in, in Yehovah. It's a commandment. <clears throat> but how sweet an instruction laced with such infused joy to the obedient. We are able to choose what we are delighted in. And we So verse 1 through 3 with, uh, you know, fret not, don't be envious, trust in Yehovah, do good. These are prerequisites. We are to uh, are prerequisites, but we are to find our delight in God. What is wonderful is this will be an enduring and unwavering delight, for so is the one in whom the delight is. People, riches, experiences will all change, corrupt and fade and let you down. But the source of the believer's delight is in the source of all, even. Emotions themselves come from God. He's the source of them. How fortunate for the believer when the source of his delight is God. The unsaved are outside the house of God, not knowing the satiating joy that comes from God. They will try to find delight in things and people and experiences of this world, but in the end will be left with a mere skeleton of the, del of the delight they could have in Yehovah. One may say they feel perfectly happy without God. But this is because they're outside the house and know not the glory that lies within. For truly without God there is no point to life. It would all just be frivolity and vanity, measuring up to a whole bunch of meaningless nothing except much heartache. But praise God, we are designed to draw our delight in Him and from His deep wells. So, 
this idea of um, delight is um, the it's the, it has the idea of uh, prosperity or completeness and um, to be surrounded with prosperity is what this idea of delight is. And so you have to be, to have true delight, you have to be complete in God. So I was thinking about this, and I wrote down this little, little analogy. So when one builds a building, the delight is in the completed project. To be good is to be complete. Yehovah is the only good one. Thus we must be in Him to be good, complete, and have true delight. So God's the only good one. We have to be in Him to be complete because He is the complete one. And only when we're complete can we really have true delight. Seek delight and completeness in the to seek delight and completeness in the things of this world is empty. First we must trust God. Then the things of this world will have meaning. And that to me was kind of the, the moral of the story. You know, if we will trust God, have our delight in Him, then the things of this world will have meaning. But if we're looking for meaning in and from the things of this world, you know, we'll always be chasing an empty dream, basically. But only when we have our delight in God and we're satisfied in Him do the things of this world then fall into their places in life. And that's the upside-down nature of what the world teaches us. They teach us that you can have completeness in things or experiences or even people. And quote-unquote, the things that are most important to you, you know, whatever that is, is experiences or freedom or, or people. But that's just humanistic philosophy that will still leave you empty and continually searching. There is no completeness and there is no... Uh, that you cannot be satiated through that. Only through our reliance and our trust in God and our walk and relationship and delight in Him will we be complete, though not completely until the resurrection occurs, until Yeshua returns and establishes His kingdom. And so that's what we long for. And in the meantime, we don't fret, we do good, we trust in Yehovah, we delight ourselves into Him, we commit our way unto Him. We rest in Yehovah. We wait patiently. We cease from anger. Anger. We forsake wrath. And we fret not. And when we do these things, life will fall into place. Now, don't get me wrong. This isn't easy at all. I think it's really difficult. But it is satisfying. And it is, it gives peace. And it gives a wholeness to a life that otherwise is vanity and empty. That's why in the Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon, Proverbs? No, what am I thinking of? All is vanity. Yeah, Solomon. So, and vanity of vanities, all is vanities. He sought in life to, he didn't deny himself anything. And what he got to the end of his life, he said, seek, uh, fear God, keep the commandments, for this is the whole of man's purpose. Because that has to come first. And if you seek everything else and leave God towards the end, it'll be a life of vanity and meaninglessness. Whereas if you seek, seek God, keep the commandments, then our physical actions will, will have meaning and have substance and um, 
will be according to what God wants. And then he'll give us the desires of our heart and we will inherit the earth. You know, all those things come afterwards. So I don't know. Hopefully that was a blessing to you guys and whoever might hear this. Um, but it was to me. Um, why don't we go ahead? Maybe we'll read the rest of the, of the psalm here because we got a little bit. So verse 12, The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as are of upright conversation. Their swords shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Such an important verse. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but Jehovah upholdeth the righteous. Jehovah knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. But they shall not be ashamed in the evil time. In the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of Jehovah shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, and to smoke they shall consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous, righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth, and they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by Jehovah, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for Jehovah upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young and am now old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, his seed is blessed. Depart from evil, do good, and dwell forevermore. For Jehovah loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. Jehovah will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on Jehovah, keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spread himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, uphold the right, uh, behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteousness of the righteous is of Yahovah, and he is their strength in the time of trouble. Yehovah shall help them and deliver them. He shall, he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, again, I just thank you for your word and for the Shabbat. Oh, for all you do and you provide, I thank you for just these truths, and I just pray that we would absorb them, take them to heart, apply them to our lives, and walk it out, uh, be a light that our righteousness and judgment would shine forth in this dark world, and that we would be a voice of clarity and truth against those who spend all, so much time, effort, and money on on raging against you. May we... May we uh, stand for you and, and work and speak on behalf of you and fight back against the, the, the lies that are out there. And uh, I pray that you would just um, bless us the rest of this day. And uh, thank you for your Shabbat. 
And I thank you for all these things. Give us a good week going forward. In Yeshua's name I pray. Amen.